Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the third and final hour today of the Live with Rank program. Breaking news last hour is Congressman Fred Upton, who is the congressman for many of you, has decided to retire. He has been in office since 1987. He's hanging up his uh, campaigning shoes and I guess moving on to uh, retirement. Uh, hopefully he will enjoy his retirement. That leaves the lane wide open for Congressman Bill Heisinga. The two were going to run against each other in the primary due to the fact that due to redistricting, because we lost a district due to population growth, more so due to not loss of our population growth, but larger population growth in other states, which people believe may have more to do with illegal aliens than anything else. And in fact, I've got a report here that I'm going to talk to you guys about. Detroit's the largest city to challenge 2020 census numbers. And those are the numbers that are used to, to determine your, well, partly, I should say, uh, what is, uh, if you lose a district or not. So due to that redistricting, two sitting Republican congressmen, Upton and Heisinga, were going to go against each other in the primary now that Fred has decided to move on to a different part of his life. Bill Heisinga has a wide open lane uh, to the nomination, and then he'll go up in front uh, or in the general election, whoever the Democrats put up. That occurred. Uh, also, there's probably, like many thought, the Judge Jackson, who is the nominee for the next Supreme Court seat, will probably definitely be elected. There, I don't even think it was, not elected, I'm sorry, approved. Because it's, even if every Republicans voted it against her, it would be 50 Democrats plus the uh, seated Vice President Kamal Harris, who uh, would have voted for her. So that's 51. I assume she would have gotten in. Right now, it looks like she'll get at least three Republicans. Well, Three people who say they're Republican. Susan Collins uh, from, is she Maine or New Hampshire? Can't remember. Uh, from Alaska, Lisa Murkowski, who actually is an independent. And uh, for the um, Mitt Romney from Utah, they were going to, uh, they decided they will vote for her. I knew there would be a liberal person that would come in. I got it. Uh, but to have a person who refuses to answer the word for or the definition of woman, number one, and number two, someone who appears to have a soft spot in their heart, as we've talked about in quite detail, for people who consume pornographers, not uh, child pornography, not people who produce it. There's no evidence of that. People who consume it only, meaning they look at it because... In every case, she gave them way below uh, what the prosecutors were looking for. 
The Daily Caller reached out to all 50 Senate Democrats and asked them, what is the definition of a woman? Not one would respond. Just so you know. That's how deathly afraid they are of that lobby in their party. And Oreo cookies now. Did you see Oreo cookie release a new ad yesterday that celebrates a young man coming out as gay to his family? Why, why celebrate it? Just, it's normal these days. It's just normal. Also, some positive news. Joe Biden's uh, poll numbers are triggering a panic mode for some Democrats ahead of the 2020 midterms. And that's coming from Democratic strategists. Quote, it's bad, end quote. An anonymous Democrat or Democratic strategist said, according to The Hill. So The Hill is reporting this. Quote, you have an energy crisis that's paralyzing and inflation is at a 40-year high and we're heading into a recession. The problem is simple. The American people have lost confidence in him, end quote. Then he goes on to say, Everyone needs to come to terms with the reality that we're going to get slaughtered in November. That's a fact. His polling has gotten worse, not better. It's indicative of the fact that people have lost confidence, confidence in his leadership. There's nothing they're going to be able to do, end quote. It's not his leadership. Well, he doesn't have leadership. It's more, uh, and I didn't expect leadership from him. I, I would say this, though. It's more his policies and what it's done to us a lot of the time i have to realize it and i once in a while inform you guys about it is that we need to there are so many more people who aren't as informed as us because they don't care they're tired of it they're not interested in it whatever it is and it's not to uh, belittle them they just there's more of them than us. And by us, I mean truly informed and fact-based. Not to say that they don't live their lives in fact-based. I'm just trying to say that there's so many people out there who don't think like us. And that's what we have to remember. And it's just human nature. It is what it is. So we have to realize that. And to them... They don't care if it's a R or a D. Many of them don't care. They care about results. And that's why it'll be difficult for these guys to spin themselves out of this inflation and the, the gas pump every time people go to gas up. You're experiencing it. Every time now you go to the grocery store, if they have your product, oddly enough, where I shop, I'm a big coffee guy. I'm finding coffee creamer for the last few weeks have been, has been lacking. There's been some there. And if you want to pay top dollar for the, do, the top one, it's there. But there were a lot of empty shelves. So it's hard for people, for them, any politician to talk them way, their way out of it. For instance, he came out last week and he said what? We're going to release a million barrels of oil a day for the next six months. 
uh, we're hoping, or I don't even say hoping, he's looking for the gas to come down. Someone asked him how much. He said, "I'm rightfully so, and he was right. He says, I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, but it could come down as much as 30-something cents a gallon. Four days later, oil shot up. The Brent crude index, the global oil benchmark, increased to $108.07 per barrel Monday morning, surging more than 3.1% overnight. The U.S. WTI index skyrocketed more than 3.4% past $103 per barrel. So just within, I think, four days, the price of a barrel of gas went up. And here's the problem. We're using our strategic oil and that oil is very low when put into context. And we're going to use it and then have to replace it at a much higher cost. So if we're doing this just for a political scheme, which I think it's that, because 1 million barrels a day, when we consume 22 million barrels a day in the United States, isn't going to do much. Two six nine four four one nine five nine five. Majority Black Detroit, according to the AP, has become the largest U.S. city to challenge its figures from the 2020 census following a national headcount in which the U.S. Census Bureau acknowledges that a higher percentage of African Americans were undercounted than last decade, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. How, how do they know that? How do they know? that you've missed someone, if you've missed them. There might be an answer. I just don't know. The AP reports leaders of Michigan's largest city, which is more than three quarters black, had questioned the results of the 2020 census since last December when they released a report suggesting that more than 8% of the occupied homes in 10 Detroit neighborhoods may have been under, undercounted. Now, the, reading, re, the way I'm reading it is... It was the city who released the report. Again, how do we know this? I'll tell you about that more coming up after this. Lines are open also, 269-441-9595. If you have a thought or want to join us about what we're talking about today, love to hear from you. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Live with Rank. I appreciate that. I was telling you about this census report, and I had someone help me. And to get their perspective, too, and they, they agree that it, it appears that this report I told you about from the city of Detroit, the city of Detroit is challenging the 2020 census numbers. They believe that we were undercounted. Now, the reason they challenge or anybody challenge is it because of it's there's a lot of money on the table and it is apportioned by population. And which is fine. If you believe it's undercounted, the whole question I have is how? It said leaders of Michigan's largest city, which is more than three quarters black, had questioned the results of the 2020 census since last December when they, meaning Detroit, released a report suggesting that more than 8% of the occupied homes in 10 Detroit neighborhoods may have been undercounted. Okay, just how? How do you, how do you know you've missed something? Unless you actually have the numbers and bring those, it would be a slam dunk. Here's the names. Here's the addresses. Compare it with what you had. Double check us. 
And, you know, if it's U.S. Census Bureau is wrong, then they adjust it. Detroit filed its challenge last week. The 2020 census, the data, showed Detroit with 639,111 residents, while estimates from 2019 put the city's population at 670,052 residents. So a difference of about 31,000. Which Jeffrey Moranoff, a University of Michigan sociology professor who helped conduct a study on the undercount for the city, said was, quote, really implausible, end quote. Well, Jeffrey, the key word was the, quote, estimate from the 2019 city population count. A, how did you count them? B, it's estimate. Estimate may could be right, it could be high, it could be low. That's not explained in this either. So it, it's, uh, it's interesting. The black population was undercounted by 3.3%. Those who identified as some other races had a 4.3% undercount. Almost 5% of the Hispanic population was missed. More than 5.6% of American Indians living on reservations were undercounted. According to somebody. Okay. I'm not arguing it. I'm simply asking, how do you know? How do you know someone was undercounted? Now, perhaps there's an answer that I can't think of. I'm just not coming to the top of my head. But I, it's, not, it's, it's just not there. And, and maybe someone knows. I don't know. That's what this is all about. This is this discussion group that we have says Detroit is among two dozen cities and counties that have challenged the census figures so far. States and municipalities have until the middle of next year to appeal their figures through the Census Bureau's County Question Resolution Operation. They said challenges are rarely successful, but the outcomes could determine, and here it is, where the cities and counties get their fair share when it comes to the distribution of one5 trillion dollars in annual federal funding we need to get back to more state funding maybe than we do annual our federal funding of different states taking it from one state to give it to another state ap writes residents of prisons nursing homes and college dorms are also known as group quarters were among the most difficult people to count during the 2020 census since Students on campus were sent home. Well, here's the question. Does a prisoner count as a resident of that county when it comes to federal dollars outside of the prison? Not to say that their data don't count as human being, but just I'm throwing it out there. Students, that's not their temporary, or that's just a temporary location for them. 269-441-9595. If you have a thought about that, love to hear from you. Let's go to uh, Portage, Michigan, and Bill. Good morning, Bill. Welcome, and thank you for holding on. Hello, Rank. Uh, Rank, I was absolutely nauseated uh, at, at hearing that statement that you read a little while ago by the uh, Hispanic city councilman in Kalamazoo. 
You mean because I, I he, just, he said he's tired of fighting for a place at the table, but he's an elected city commissioner? Yes. Yeah. That that just encapsulates, well, and, and more than that, uh, it just encapsulates just about everything that's wrong with, uh, with contemporary liberalism. Uh, the not the no notion of victimhood, the notion of uh, entitlement, uh, the emphasis on race—it's uh, all there. Uh, I I hope if, if you if you can put a link to that uh, on your website, if you haven't already done so, uh, I encourage you to do that. I will I'd, only I'd like do to, that if you promise to share it with people. Cross my heart. Uh, uh, I'd like uh, to read it. Your hope and hope to die. Uh, well, no, I'd see, I didn't go that far, uh, Okay, but, well, but I'll take that into I'd, consideration. I'd like to read it and make myself even more nauseated than I already am. Perhaps I'll write something about it and put it out there tomorrow. I have to, maybe this uh, afternoon. Okay. Great. Thanks, Frank. All right. Thanks Bill for calling in. What he's talking about is in that diversity, equity, and inclusion discussion we had with the city of Kalamazoo, a commissioner by the name of Estevan, Estevan uh, Juarez, I believe is how you pronounce it, said, quote, I'm tired of fighting for a spot at the table when I belong at the table, end quote. He's a, a, an elected city commissioner, so he's at the table. Now, he may be referring to his bid to be the mayor. That's I'm trying to be fair to him. He may come out and say, well, I was talking about being a mayor. I finished third. Well, okay. How do you know that you that you didn't finish? You, I guess he's assuming he finished third because he is not white or black. I guess is what he's saying. I, I'm not sure. Maybe they just don't like your policies or you. You know, there's people out there who are white and black or whatever color who don't like each other, not because of their color, because they just don't like each other. If a black person doesn't like me, and it has nothing to do with me being white, it's because of whatever, that's fine. He just he or she doesn't like me. I, I don't consider them a racist or a bigot, and it should be the same vice versa, unless there's something to prove differently. So, again, commissioner here, city commissioner, elected city commissioner here in the city of Kalamazoo, said, quote, I'm tired of fighting for a spot at the table when I belong at the table. End quote. But he's at the table. And why are you tired? I mean, we all have to fight. Anybody who runs an election knows it's a fight. You know, the one thing I will give to these people who run is it's hard. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of glad handing. You've got to be out there. If you want to win, it's a lot of work. Asking people to give money to you. That's not easy. I don't like asking people to give money to me other than people I work for. Going to meeting after meeting after meeting and, and, and introducing yourself. And so it's a, it's a lot of work. And apparently he doesn't want to do that work is what I take from that. I, I'm not quite sure. So that's what Bill was talking about. 269-441-9595. You listen to Live with Rank. We'll take a quick break. Come back right after this. You're listening to Live with Rank. 
Republican North Carolina congressman by the name of Greg Murphy, Murphy is introducing legislation that says any member of Congress who makes a public statement advocating for defunding the police should not be allowed to use federal funds to contract private security, as so many of them are doing today. Now, I would ask you to take your political bias hat off. Does that not sound reasonable to you? If someone's going to advocate for taking money away from protecting you, well, then shouldn't they not be able to be protected by taxpayer dollar? Or quite frankly, as Cori Bush is doing, a congresswoman from Missouri, I think, she's using campaign funds, hundreds of thousands of dollars for her own personal police force. Yet she wants her constituents to not have that same protection. Biden, look how much we're spending on Biden and his son. Did you hear about that? Secret Service is paying over $30,000 per month for a Malibu mansion to protect Hunter, Hunter Biden. The luxury rental property has a, quote, gorgeous Ocean views, end quote, according to the listing. This is from ABC News. Now, the Secret Service has to protect the president and the family members. I get that. Does Hunter Biden have to stay in a house? What does he do that he can afford 20000 a month for rent? So the closest one these guys, Secret Service, could find was 30000 a month. What does Hunter Biden do? What has he ever done in his life to earn that kind of money to afford $20,000 a month for rent? Think about you guys who are making 20 something thousand dollars a year. After taxes, it's less. He spends that for one month of rental of his rent. From a father who said this. Uh, surplus military equipment for law enforcement. They don't need that. The last thing you need is an up-armored Humvee coming into a neighborhood. It's like the military invading. They don't know anybody. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point is but that... do we agree that we can redirect some of the funding? Yes, uh, absolutely. Do we agree we can redirect some of the funding? Yes, absolutely. But don't you dare say Joe Biden said defund the police because he never said defund the police. They still say that. And what kills me is they say that in Brett Baer's panel that I watch religiously and they let the leftists on that say that and only once have I seen a pushback. You can't sit there and say he didn't talk about defunding the police. Did he use the words? No. He said redistributing funds away the same thing so back to greg murphy congressman he said quote time after time the american people have been baffled by progressive 
hypocritical, and anti-cop lawmakers who publicly decried to fund the police while simultaneously using taxpayer dollars to pay for their own security details. It's a classic and timeless example of the Democrats' rules for thee, but not for me. The squad should care less about public safety, and they don't mind when blue cities burned in summer of 2020 so long as they got to enjoy personal, private, taxpayer-funded security. My resolution condemns any calls made by a member of Congress to defund the police and asserts that those lawmakers should not be permitted to use federal funds to pay for their security. Our law enforcement officers sacrifice so much for our nation, we must always back the blue and fearlessly stand in opposition to those who hypercritically threaten peace in our rule of law, end quote. I think if somebody who is not the same ideology as me, let's say you're more moderate than I, or even left of center, don't you think it's just fair to say, listen, if you want to take security and a policing away from American citizens, there's no way American citizens should be paying for you to have additional security. I think that's fair. Well, rank, well, rank, these people need to get, I get it. I'm not saying those who are supposed to get security shouldn't get it. I'm saying if you are advocating for other people, your constituents and citizens of the United States and residents of the United States to not have police security or less of it, then so should you. I think that's reasonable. Talking about that, Judge Brown, who will be the next Supreme Court justice, and I told you my concerns, is she's so ideologically driven or so afraid of that faction in the liberal party that she won't say what a woman is because she's not a biologist. And she appears, and I've given you the proof, to have a soft spot in her heart for people who consume child pornography. So every person in front of her, even one guy, because he was 18, 19 years old, something like that, had thousands of child pornography pictures he viewed. She gave him three months. Way below the federal guidelines. Well, those are just federal guidelines and they're they're, uh, bloated. Okay, but... The prosecutors came in much under, I think, 20-something months. I think it was 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 months federal guidelines. Prosecutors came in with 20-something. She came back with three. Every time, every time she had the opportunity to sentence a person who views child pornography, and that was her excuse. Well, they're just viewing it. They're not the ones creating it. And that was her line of... uh, differentiation but every time she get the chance to sentence them she sentenced them way under not just the federal guidelines but what the prosecutors were asking for Washington Free Beacon Supreme Court nominee Judge Katanji Brown Jackson said in the early days of the pandemic it would be quote reasonable end quote to release quote each and every, end quote, person in the District of Columbia jails. And she went on to grant COVID-related releases to defendants and inmates implicated in serious crimes. 
Quote, the obvious increased risk of harm that the COVID-19 pandemic poses to individuals who have been detained in the district's correctional facilities reasonably suggests that each and every criminal defendant who is currently in D.C. Department of Correction custody and who thus cannot take independent measures to control their own hygiene and distance themselves from others should be released. She released a defendant involved in a deadly fentanyl trafficking ring, requiring only that he comply with a 10 p.m. curfew. Mom gave him a 10 p.m. curfew. But see, it's about the criminal's protection, not yours, when it comes to these people. And she's going to be in the Supreme Court. The obvious increased risk of harm that the COVID-19 pandemic poses to individuals who have been detained in the district's correctional facilities. Think about that. It's their increased risk. Well, I would say Judge Brown Jackson, well, what about the obvious increased risk of letting these people out on the streets to recommit their crimes? And I found this interesting. We were talking about, well, the breaking news today for certainly this area, Southwest Michigan, is Fred Upton has decided to retire. And I do. Him and I disagreed on, on some things. He refused to come on my show. But I do wish him peace and a nice retirement. A long retirement. More than likely, he retired because he didn't want to get into a primary battle with Bill Huizinga because of the redistricting here in Michigan. Two districts got put into one. He ends up with having to go against another sitting congressman, Bill Huizinga, who's been in Congress since 2011, Fred, since 1987. The reason I'm bringing that up again is a New York state judge on Thursday throughout the states, this is last Thursday, throughout the state's new Democratic-backed congressional map as unconstitutional and ordered lawmakers to redraw the line. See, now I'm bringing this up, and it's in New York, I get it, because we keep hearing, well, it's only the Republicans who uh, gerrymander. It's only the Republicans. They both equally gerrymander when they can. Let's just be honest. And here's a judge, a New York state judge, who threw out the state's congressional map, said it was unconstitutional, and ordered the lawmakers to redraw the lines. Did you see that in ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, Huffington Post, New York Times, Washington Post, Chicago, you know, Tribune, on and on and on. This is a Reuters story, so it should have been in there. The judge said the map violated a constitutional provision that districts should not be drawn to favor one political party over another. The map passed by the Democrat-controlled legislature and signed into law by Democratic Governor in February, gave the party the advantage, you ready? In 22 of the state's 26 districts. They gerrymandered 22 of the state's 26 districts. They currently hold 19 of the 27 districts right now. You listen to Live with Rank? We'll be right back after this. 
Oh, well, I thought I actually had a song picked out, but I was doing other things. I apologize for that, ladies and gentlemen. I, let me see. Can I sing something here? What, what might I want to sing? Well, maybe not. Maybe that's not such a great idea. Good morning, everybody. I was just sitting there, too. I could have chosen a song, but, uh, oh, man, sometimes I don't know what's going on with me. Homicide risk higher in homes with handguns, study finds. I love these stories. AP medical writer. Most U.S. gun owners say they own guns or firearms to protect themselves and their loved ones. Again, this is an AP medical writer. Now, remember, this is what the AP is saying. Or no, the study. Most U.S. gun owners say they own firearms to protect themselves and their loved ones. Survey show. But a study... Published Monday, yesterday, suggests people with, who live with handgun owners are shot to death at a higher rate than those who don't have such weapons at home. And it gets even funnier. Quote, this is from David Studert, a Stanford University researcher who was the lead author of the Annals of Internal Medicine study, this gun study. Quote, you ready? We found zero evidence of any kind of protective efforts, end quote, from living in a home with a handgun. In the, they didn't find one instance in the study, the parameters of the study, not one instance in which someone was able to protect themselves with a gun. How many times have you heard it? Now, it may not have been in their study. In fact, it gets even better. You ready? The study has several shortcomings. For example, the researchers say they could not determine which victims were killed by the handgun owners or with the in-home weapons. They couldn't account for illegal guns and looked only at handguns, not rifles or other firearms. The data set was limited to registered voters in California who were 21 and older. And then they say it's not clear that the findings are generalizable to the entire state, let alone to the rest of the country. The authors acknowledge, end quote. Now, why do you think they wrote a report or survey or study as hilarious as this one? Where you're going to make the statement that they didn't find one incident in which a handgun protected a homeowner or anywhere, I guess. I don't know if it's just relegated to just homes. They're saying people who have handguns at home. And then they tell you their shortcomings in paragraph three. I give the AP credit for writing that. It surprises me. It undermines the whole uh, headline. The study had several shortcomings. For example, the researchers said they could not determine which victims were killed by the handgun owners or with the in-home weapons. They couldn't account for illegal guns. They looked at only handguns, not rifles or other firearms. The data set was limited to registered voters in California who were 21 and older. And they admit they're not really sure if they can generalize it to anybody else, like the state or let alone the country. You know what I thought of? This is quite often what I do, just like my songs. At break, I think of a song that I want to hopefully try to find or a word in a song to play as a bumper. Sometimes 
movie scenes pop in my head. And the movie scene that popped in my head when I read this was from The Jerk. Do you remember when Steve Martin was uh, running that, uh, that game at that uh, carnival? And if you do whatever it was, you can choose from any toy between this shelf and this shelf and between this toy and that toy. And it was one toy in the middle. You remember that? Uh, this was done for the headline because the left believes that people who are Democrats only read the headlines and then would move on. It's the only reason I can think of. California, excuse me, we just talked about California. Let's go east just a little bit. Colorado Governor Jared Polis, Democrat, just signed an abortion bill into law yesterday that legalizes abortion as a right in the state up until the second the baby comes out. The Reproductive Health Equity Act. I don't think the baby would think that. that there's some health equity in there. Which passed the state Senate March 23rd by a vote of 20 to 15 allows access to abortion for pregnant women up until birth, according to the Colorado legislature. Quote, a pregnant individual has a fundamental right to continue a pregnancy and give birth or to have an abortion and to make decisions about how to exercise that right. A fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of this state. So are you saying that a nine-month-old baby before it pops out is still considered a fetus? That's what they're saying. Quote, access to abortion and reproductive health is currently under attack across the nation. Impending federal court cases jeopardize access to legal abortion care for tens of millions of people, particularly those living in most southern and midwestern Midwestern states. End quote. The Colorado legislature argued that access to abortion up until birth will allow Colorado residents, quote, to pursue personal, educational, financial, and familial goals and decrease the health and socioeconomic disparities disproportionately faced by people of color and people with low incomes, end quote. So they want black people or people of color to abort more of their babies. Does that sound racist to you? Eugenics? That sounds kind of like eugenics to you, doesn't it? And here's my point. Let's just relax, open up your mind, And think about this. Do you really want to live in a state or a society that has such little regard for life? Not arguing what you should do or not do, but think about that. Do you really want to live in a state or a society that has such little regard for life? that they actually put in law in Colorado 
that a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of this state. But again, a eight or nine month old baby that you can clearly see as a human being, to them is still a fetus. It has to be for this law to be correct. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show today. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 9 a.m. You're listening to me, Rank, on the Live with Rank Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.